I want to, through the help of the Lord this morning, for a few moments today, I want to challenge you with some things that I, will, I, I believe that's going to help you as an individual and us as a body move forward and for you to see God do great things in your life, but, more, more, but also for us to see God do great things for us as a whole. Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to some as Faith Hall of Fame. The reason why they refer to Hebrews 11 as that is because the fact that Hebrews 11 begins with one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, Thou faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews goes on to then look back on men and women in the Bible who, just, who, uh, who, who um, showed great faith. And so it is a chapter of the Bible that is very enriched with faith. It's a very faith-based passage of scripture it's very encouraging uplifting inspirational and challenging to see these great men and women of God and what they did and how God used them the end of Hebrews 11 reads this way Hebrews 11 chapter uh, Hebrews 11 verse 30 it's kind of finishing and I'll jump sort of in the middle here it's kind of finishing some of the description and I'll just give you some flavor here by faith the walls of Jericho fell down and after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and not Obama, but (laughs) and Samson and Jephthah. I don't know if Obama was in the Bible. Woo, praise the Lord. Uh, And David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became vigilant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a res- better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and and scourges, yes, and chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. You thought you had problems. They were were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert, Mountains and dens and caves on earth. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should be made, they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now that's that's a great inspirational last line that you know God has provided something better for us. But I've never seen God provide something better without counterbalancing it with something else. God gave Paul great revelation, but countered it with great trial. These people experienced great faith, but 
there is a, 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 a movie that, I'm not recommending the movie, I'm just using it as a, as a point in the movie. There was a movie, I think the name of it is called Evan Almighty. It's a, sort, of a, sort of a modern day take on, on Noah. I'm not saying the merits of it theologically. I don't even know. I don't even remember any parts of the movie. So if you watch it, please don't judge me or my spirituality by it. I'm not pointing that out. The reason I bring that up is because there's a part in that movie that really jumped out at me. And, and that is, is that, that uh, Noah's wife was struggling with this grasping all of this. And so she has a meeting with God. Played by Morgan Freeman. And she's talking to God, a.k.a. the free man, about uh, certain aspects. And he makes a very powerful statement as if he's talking to her of God, but whoever wrote the script, whoever was the writer of the script, seemed to me they had some kind of understanding of the Word of God because they made a very profound and revelatory understanding of how God operates. She was struggling with faith and understanding faith, and she was struggling grasping this aspect of faith. And he says to her, if you ask me for faith, Do you think that I'm going to just somehow, and I'm not quoting it exactly, I've only seen it one time, but I just remember this so vividly. He says, do you think I'm going to zap you with faith? Do you think if I ask you for faith, I'm just going to somehow put it on you and you're going to feel faith? Or am I going to put you in situations that require you to have faith? He went on to say some couple other things. It's very true. He says, if you ask me to teach you to love, am I going to zap you with love or I'm going to put you in situations to show you how to love? We have made, especially in, 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 in our circles, and, and I'm not, this is not where I'm going. I just want to lay a quick foundation. In our circles, we have made things very supernatural and very mystical, and we're waiting for that bolt of lightning to hit us But God doesn't work that way. God very much is a God of putting you... He's more likely to give you faith by putting you in situations for faith. I'll never forget years ago, my my mom had a dream. And in the dream, she... And I can't remember exactly the, the parameters of it. I'm probably butchering it to a degree. But in this dream, she saw herself crossing over the Bay Bridge. My mom is not a big fan of heights, so that bridge is a little intimidating for her. And she saw herself crossing over the Bay Bridge and and in the dream and in this interpretation that God gave her the dream that the bridge represented faith for her. That she was going to be crossing over This bridge of faith. Woo! Great. Awesome. That's awesome. Who? I mean, come on, somebody. I talk about the bridge of faith today. You can be like, thank you, Jesus. Take me over the bridge, Jesus. I won't even pay toll. Hallelujah. But the correlation to the bridge of faith was facing breast cancer. We want the bridge, keep the cancer. 
I want the faith. Keep the radiation. We want the fruit, but we're not willing to dig a hole for the tree. God will often plant a tree in your life and see if there will, you will allow the fruit to grow from it. And so we read this great finishing two sentences in 11, and I'm going to show you in a minute that really wasn't the finish. It was just that sometimes chapter markings really mess up some really good thoughts. But he makes the statement, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. And man, that's awesome. Woo! They got, but let's go back real quick just to remind you how they got their faith. You ready? Tortured to the point of not accepting deliverance. Uh, yeah, they stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, became valiant in battle. They fought armies. Oh, by the way, let's just get to the good part of the list. Stoned. Cut in two. Tempted. And slain by the sword. Who's lining up for this faith now? I talk about faith and needing to have faith. Everybody says, yes, give me faith, Jesus. I love faith. Woo, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them, and diligent to seek it. Jesus, give me faith. But wait a minute. I, look what the sign-up sheet of faith looks like. Look at the sign-up sheet. You know, go back to the story just before that. You know, whoo, Rahab the harlot was delivered even when everybody around her. Yes, but Rahab didn't know if she was going to make it when the walls were shaken. Faith. 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 It's faith. And God, how does God test your faith sometimes? Is, 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 is it God give you all of it? Or does God give you just a small word? You're going to the other side. He doesn't tell you, oh, you're going to get a storm. You may feel like you're going to perish. All that stuff. You're going to the other side to see and gauge where your faith is because you don't know if you have faith until your faith is tested. You don't know. Everybody can shout. As they say, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Everybody can shout on Sunday, but you don't know how if you have faith until you get there to Monday. So we understand faith. we got this faith thing. Faith, 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 faith. Every one of us in here has a measure of faith. Some have allowed that measure to grow. We have taken that measure. We have grown it. But everybody in here, if you have, if you have, if you have brought Jesus into your life in some degree, whatever degree that is today, whether that's have you have brought him into your life through accepting him or you have taken the steps as Jesus has described of being born again through water and a spirit, whatever step you've taken today, you have taken that step in faith. There has been faith involved. It takes faith to say, God, I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my life. That takes faith. It takes faith to lift up your hands and open up your mouth and let the Spirit of God fill you with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. It takes faith to have some person you don't know put you underwater because you don't know if they're going to pull you back up. It takes faith. Faith. 
So there's a level of faith. I'm not here today to get you to have faith. You've got faith. In fact, really, according to Jesus, you've got all the faith you need. Because in the end, remember, he said, all you have to do is have a faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You can say to the mountain, be removed. Cast in the sea. So it's not the desire to have more faith. It's the question is, does my faith work? And is my faith reliable? So Hebrews ends 11. And again, remember, this is a side note, but it's important to understand this. When you look at your your Bible, whether you're holding it in your phone or you've got it in your lap or you go home and you break out the family Bible, you will notice that the Bible has chapter markings and verse markings. That's what those little numbers are. And the reason why they're in there is because if I say to you, go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we just read verse number 39, you're not just moving through a bunch of papers. That you know specifically where there was. And it's very helpful in referencing the Bible. It's very helpful in memorizing the Bible. It's very helpful in teaching the Bible. But... Like you and I, if we were to write a paper today or write a note or write a letter, you would not say, chapter 1, sentence number 1, how are you doing today? Sentence 2, what is your plan? We don't write it like that. We write it as a complete thought. But the translators, in an effort to help with uh, study and research of the Word of God, put numbers. I say all that to say sometimes, like it would be with you and I, if we divided up our daily conversation, we might miss the fluidity of a thought because we divide it somewhere. And I guess in an effort not to make some chapters super long, they put a marking in places where if you just look at chapter 11 as a as just chapter 11, you miss a very important point because I want to read it to you. I want to, we're going to flow through it for just for a second. But let's go back to 11 verse 39. And all these, having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be perfect, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Great. But then it keeps going. Therefore, therefore, the beginning of therefore, here, this word right here, chapter 12, verse 1. Do we have that? Hebrews 12, 1. Can we put that on there for just one second? In the, this, is the, this is the KJV. So wherefore, therefore. I'm reading the New King James, but there, look at that. Wherefore? We don't, what's the wherefore? What's the therefore? What's it referring back to? It's referring back to all of the stuff that preceded it in verse 11, chapter 11. And it says, okay, therefore, because of these things, we also, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, now here's where it gets to. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily beset us and let us with patience run the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God, on the right hand of the throne of God. Now here, I want to show you the correlation, but let me read this to you really quickly. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Verse number one. Do you see what this means? What means? Do you see what this means? What are we talking about? We're talking about all the stuff described. The mouth of lions cut in two, all the stuff. These great people of faith. And hey, good. You know, they're, you, they can't be made perfect without you. And you're going to do great things. So therefore, because of this, 
Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in God and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in a place of honor right alongside God. One other translation that some of you may not even know. The Passion Translation says this way. As for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the faith has been For the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus whose birth, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith perfection. So the question today is, is faith our problem? Because we could spend all day today and you could spend with great agony and passion. Oh God, I pray today, give me faith. Oh God, give me faith. The question today is not faith. You've got faith. If you've got the Spirit of God in you, you have measure of faith. Is my faith working? Is my faith active? And if it's not, what's causing the problem? So maybe we could call this today, what are the vital signs of faith? Because Paul gives us three vital signs to faith here uh, that are described in this chapter that says, hey, these all had amazing faith and and you're going to do great things as well. And because not only are you going to do the great things because Christ is in you, or not Paul, but the writers of Hebrews, that that you're going to have great things because Christ is in you, but but you've all these people cheering you on and and they've led the way, they've blazed the trail for you. And and, and because of this, we've got to press forward uh, and we've got to engage our faith. How do we do that? Lay aside every weight. Or as the Passion Translation said, deal with the wounds that have pierced us. And deal with the sins that keep us from obtaining active faith. Or deal with the things in our life that are pulling our focus away from what God wants to do. And the final result of that is to get my eyes and focus on Jesus Christ. See, here's the problem with this, right? Here's the deal. And and here's where the argument gets into. And I've watched it happen for a long time now. Many years I've done this for a long time. I've watched it for a long time. This is how it works. You don't realize it today, but everybody in here came with a bag. And everybody in here today, when we start talking about this, you easily say, well, you know, okay, I got it. I don't know what, I mean, I mean, okay, well, fine. I get it. And we sort of justify it away because here's what happens in this deal, right? We've got this situation in our life. We've got these things in our life. And we've given this. But life is funny, man. Life is crazy. 
life's got stuff. Life brings with it stuff. I want to thank the students of Crofton Middle School today for providing me such wonderful props. I appreciate that. And so what happens is we've got a bag. And every so often we just collect a few things. We look in our bag. It's not a big deal. We got space in here. So we don't deal with it because it's not a big deal. And we keep going on. But you know what? Life doesn't quit. Life doesn't quit. And so we find ourselves every once in a while. Then we come to church. We come to gathering. Come to small group. God says, look at your bag. You're like, yeah, I got stuff in here. But what's the big deal? Not that big of a deal. And then the problem is too, is some of you brother help me out. Other people want to put stuff in your bag. You got people loading you up. And then you're like, okay, wait a minute. All right. You need to deal with what other people have done to you. But you're like, I can still manage. It's not a big deal. Lay aside if you're waiting sin. Well, you know, okay, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I can live like this. It's not a big deal. Right? Okay, I know what the Word of God says, but, but I'm, I'm managing. I'm managing this. It's, it's, it's manageable. And then the problem is, life doesn't say, well, we'll leave you alone, right? Problems don't say. People don't say. So guess what? It just keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. And, and, and now... Ooh, we're getting ooh, we're getting a little close to crisis mode, but we're not there yet. Now we got a pretty full bag, but there's a little bit of room left in here. There's some room left in here, so it's not crisis mode yet. But we acknowledge, okay, man, that there's a problem there. But you know, you know, I've seen worse, and and then we look around, and you know, somebody's got bags spilling out all over the place, and we're like. I'm not that bad. My bag's okay. And then the problem is, right, we come into church and, or come into gathering and, and we're bringing our bag with us and then, and then, and then the problem is we're like, I gotta have something from you, Jesus, today. I gotta have something. And so we bring our bag to him and we say, oh, fill me up, Jesus. And does fill you up, but he can only fill up whatever room you have left over. So we talk about God is great. God is awesome. He's awesome. He's so wonderful. You're like, yeah, kind of. Because you're judging a partial God when I'm seeing the full picture. And you just keep moving life. And you, you know, we are masters at learning how to navigate stuff. Just drive down the highway. How many storage units have popped up in the last 10 years. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there's a thing of storage units. Now, they are building them as fast as they can put them up. And I know, because I've got one, okay? I'm not knocking you. I pay a car payment almost to Fill my stuff. Now we're, we're renting and we don't have room so it, I can justify it. But we've become a, 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 a culture 
of collecting stuff. And so it's easy to walk in that storage unit and, and I see some boxes in there and I go, oh, I just, I may need that one day. I, I just, I, I may need that. And what's crazy is, I look at all the stuff in that storage unit, and, and half the time I'm like, how did I get so much stuff? I didn't go to the store and buy all that at one time. It was one little here, one little there, one little there. It was my dad calling and said, hey, son, I'm going to get rid of this. You want it? I'm like, sure, I'll take it. And they say, you know, I got all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. So what do I do? I got to go out to the storage and buy more storage to collect my stuff because I've got, and then guess what? It starts costing me to keep my baggage. It starts costing me to keep my baggage. It's paying. I'm paying a a, a bill every month to the storage people to keep my baggage. Even though I think some of that stuff in there is important. So I come and we're talking about laying aside every sin. You're like, okay, I get it. All right, okay, I get it. All right, Jesus, I lay aside today my weight and sin. Boy, I feel better. And we can leave going, see, I did it, Jesus. I did it, look. I laid it down at your feet. Okay, God. Just don't look at my bag. Don't look in here. Look, just get your eyes on what I did, Lord. Don't look. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. No one knew a bag and water bottles could preach. So you got all this stuff you're doing. And then the problem is, guess what? The more you do this, man, it just gets to the point. And here's what happens too. This is what happens with some. You get so filled up with your stuff, you don't even realize you're walking around and your stuff is so much in a play, you start giving out your stuff to other people. Because you got no room, so you just... Now they're dealing with your stuff. You're dealing with your stuff. But now they got to deal with your stuff because you haven't dealt with your stuff. So now the people around you are starting to deal with your stuff. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, your small group brothers and sisters, your people in the church. There's no love in this church. I can't feel any love. Of course you can't. You got no room in here for love. I can't feel the presence of God. Of course you can. Where's God going to fit amongst all your stuff? Oh, we need faith. God, give me faith. And I'm down here going, oh God, you see my, you see all the stuff I'm going through, Jesus. You see all my burdens, Jesus. You see it. Give me faith. It's like, where am I going to put it? He's like, you know what? I'm losing stuff. That's another thing. You just start losing stuff. (laughs) Who's got a big Bible? Anybody got a big Bible? Just an old school Bible with you? So, oh, that's miniature. Give me a big one. Yeah, give me one of them family Bible things. Here's the problem, right? We want to get the word in us. We want to get faith. Where? So we put God in there and we feel good. But the problem is, it doesn't take much rocking for God to fall out. Sorry, I messed your Bible up. Is this a family heirloom? I just messed it up. Lord Jesus, notes flying everywhere. 
I'm putting more stuff in your body. You have to deal with that. Lay aside the weight and sins of the preacher. Hallelujah. The problem is it's not the word's problem. God hasn't changed. His word's still faithful. The power of God's still the same. Instead of looking and saying, what's wrong with God? You need to say, how much stuff is in your bag? The problem is, if this was filled with big stuff, we could see it. But the problem is, when we look at that and go, but it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Really? Come on, preacher. You mean to tell me God really wants me to? It's just this little water bottle. It's just this deal. But yes, one isolated water bottle is not that big. But when you've got 50, it is. I've used this illustration before. That's another thing, too. This bag actually wasn't that heavy when I started. But after holding it after a while, it's actually getting a little heavy. So guess what you do? You're just going to sit down for a while. I can't come to church today. can't come to small group today. I am worn out carrying my bag. Selah. No wonder SUVs are so popular in America right now. We all carrying bags around. We got to have bigger cars. Because we got stuff. We're laying stuff in our life. We're laying stuff in our life. And we're, we're saying, God, why does my faith work? God, why don't I have connection with you? God, why can't I just feel like, look at where this stuff is in your life. Look. Yes, one thing, but it, it, this is the point I was going to make earlier before I got weary in my bag here. If you were born and we tried this experiment, I'd love to try this experiment, but... I don't think anybody's going to volunteer their child to let me do this. But I would love to try this at one point. I'd love to take a child at its infancy and at every birthday I'd like to give them a one pound rock. By the time they're five years old they've got five pounds of rocks. By the time they're 15, it's 15 pounds. And by the time it's 25, and man, by the time they get 50, they have 50 pounds of rocks. But you know what would be amazing to see? And this is my theory. I haven't been able to prove it. It's just a theory. I don't know if they would even know they were carrying any rocks. Because they were given to them at such a gradual pace and at such small increments that they would have adjusted to it and not even realized they've got 50. You ever try to pick up 50 pounds? Five pounds? Eh. 50 pounds isn't that light. Just go to Home Depot and pick up a 50-pound bag of sand or concrete. It's not. Imagine carrying that around. The weight of that around. But you wouldn't even know you're carrying it. Why? Because it was given to you. And that's the problem sometimes. We get. We understand. 
When someone drops a 50-pound bag of concrete in our life and we go, oh, man, I got to deal with this. But I have to, I just got to tell you what I feel. I'm not coming in here today to deal with the 50-pound bags in your life. That's another day. We'll go, the Lord will help us get to the 50-pound bag. I've come to deal with the 8-ounce and 10-ounce water bottles. Because I don't care if it weighs 8 ounces or 50 pounds. If you get enough of these, it's going to be the same damage. But the problem is, it's easy to preach about the 50 pound piles of concrete. Because it's easy to talk about, have you been abused? Have you been this? What about how you been, you know, you were in a bad marriage and you were abused. You were abused by a father, abused by a mother, this, that, all that. Those are 50 pound. Everybody says, okay, I see that. But the damning thing that will send you to hell faster is all the water bottles. Because they're easy. They're justifiable. They're easy to bring in your life and not even realize that stuff is piling up. It's easy to bring in your life and go, well, I can manage it. I can deal with it. But next thing you know, you stop and you go, whoa, how did I get all of this stuff? So like we come today, we talk about the laying down, lay, lay aside every weight in sin. That's so easy, but it sets us and let us look unto Jesus, the author and finish our faith. And you go, yes, that's great. I can't wait for them to do it because I know they got a big pile of concrete. And then you walk out of here with your water bottles because you're looking at someone else's concrete. You look across to somebody and go, God's talking to them today because I know they got that pile of concrete. They've told me about that pile of concrete. When they were 12 years old, they were dropped a pile of concrete. I'm not talking to them today. I'm talking about the rest of you that every year you've walked with Jesus, you've picked up a one-pound rock. And now that you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you've collected rocks along the way and you don't even realize where you are in him because it got there so gradually and the devil just dropped it in every once in a while. And now you're coming in this place and you're so weighted down and burdened down, but nobody can tell you that because you don't even realize it. I've watched people sit there and the power of God deal with offense and deal with things. And they go, I don't have offense. I'm not not offended. I'm offended. Because they're looking for the big stuff. They're looking for the time where no one's ever done this. But they don't realize they're carrying offense because someone gave them a bad look or someone. Well, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm past all that. No, you're not. You've just put it in your bag. Your water bottles, they're in there. But the problem is, enough missed handshakes, enough missed calls. I miss church, no one called me. Enough of those. All of a sudden, you got a full bag you don't know what to do with. And guess what? I've watched it happen for 40 years. I've watched people that you look back and go, what happened? And you ask them, what happened? They're like, I don't know what happened. And, and you say, do you know that God, you've got a fence? I don't have a fence. Because they look and go, this is not a big deal. How is this a big deal? Yeah, you organize it, man. You start prioritizing it. You learn how to manage it. Yeah. You get all kinds of... There's ways to manage the crisis. And then the problem is, we wonder why our faith doesn't work. We wonder why we don't, we don't, we don't feel connected to Jesus. We, why we don't feel the power and the authority of God working through us. And we read the stories of, of, of these people that did all this amazing stuff and we justify and say, well, that was just, the, that was the Bible time. We don't do that nowadays. God doesn't do that kind of stuff nowadays. That was Bible time. Do you know what? Look what they did. I'm not suggesting they did this, but the Bible says the early church in Jerusalem, the first thing they did when they got to the early church is they took their bags and emptied it out 
The Bible said they sold everything they had. Anything that could be in their bag, they sold it all. I'm not suggesting we do that. We don't find anywhere else in, in, in Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth and Colossae and any of those places they did that. But in the early church in the Jerusalem, they emptied out their bags. They had nothing in their bags. Nothing. Nothing left in their bags. Jesus said in John, the God of this world has come and has found nothing. Paul said, I, I exercise a conscious, have a conscious void of offense between God and man. Paul, every day, checked his bag because even one water bottle was too much for Paul because he knew what could happen. If you could start justifying one, you can start justifying 10, you can start justifying 50, and next thing you know, come on. We know it. I've done it. Very rarely do you find yourself smacked in the face with a major sin in your life. I know the Bible doesn't categorize sin, but we do. So let's just work with what we do. You don't find yourself smacked in the face with a major sin. Nobody walks up, wakes up one day and goes, hmm, boy, they got to go to the bank, uh, buy Walmart, and wreck my life. It's a bunch of little stuff that you just justify along the way. It's little things. Well, I mean, you think God really cares? It's not a big deal to God. You know, come to church and the word of God and the, the presence of God and, the, and the, the pricking of the Holy Ghost points out some things in our life. And we go, is it really a big, I mean, come on, we're 20. This is 2020, preacher. This is not... 1950. We're a lot more advanced. You really think to tell me that this is not a big deal? The problem is too. Can I just? I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm not meddling. I'm a, I'm a walk with it just for a second. The problem is we have water bottles on steroids in our society because we got things that are just water bottle creators. Technology just feeding us with water bottles. Next time you go on Facebook, Instagram, all that, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a social media basher. That's not. I'm just trying to get you to think. Next time you go on social media, just look at it as a big Deer Park warehouse. Because how many times have you left social media with a bunch of water bottles you didn't go on there with? And you know what? Guess what? Hey. We're a body of believers. We're not perfect. And you know what? I come in here. There's people always. Always. I don't mean this to be negative. I don't, I'm not speaking to anybody there. There's going to be people in this place every Sunday. And there'll be people in your small group every Sunday that if you let them, they're going to give out their water bottles to you. They're going to give out. Here, you have some water bottles. And you know what? We're just... Next scene, we go home and go, whoa, what happened? You know what? Here, when someone offers you a water bottle, 
whether it's a water bottle of offense, a water bottle of complaining, a water bottle of running somebody down, a water bottle of, of, of critique, a water bottle of, yeah, do you really think we should be doing all this stuff? When they offer you a water bottle, you need to say, hey, I want an empty bag. You keep your bottle. But you know what? Here's the problem, right? I'm telling you, it's how it all works, right? I'm carrying my bag, and, you know, Brother John's there, and Brother John's got, no, no, no. work with me for a second. Come on, man. I knew he was going to do that to me. He's already taking it. He's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) He's very, 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 this is a true teacher, man. He learns fast. But you know what, come along, and, and, and John says, hey, you know, little my water bottle. And you know what? I love John. I want to help John. I'm like, oh, John, let me take your water bottle, buddy. Oh, and I don't even realize I just slip it in my bag. And I pray for John. Oh, God, help John. And John leaves happy, and I leave with more junk. Because everybody justifies, We're, I was trying to help him. No, you can't help them. Jesus is the only one that helps them. So you know what? Next time someone tries to offer you their water bottle, here, put your, put, put your, put your notes down for a second. This man comes prepared. He got colors and crayons and everything. Man, he's good to go. <laughs> Next time someone offers their water bottle, here. Oh, John, you say, wait, wait, time out. Come here with me. I'm not taking it, but I know someone who will take it. I'm not using the altar. I'm just saying, I'm going to take them to Jesus and say, hey, John, give it to Jesus. So you know why? When we leave out of here, him and I can leave hand in hand going, thank God we're both walking with Jesus with no water bottle. It's not my job to be the church janitor to walk around and fix everybody else's water bottles. It's my job to take it to the master recycler that said there is somebody here that you can take it to and he can take it. So you got a choice today. Don't say you don't have any water bottles. We've established you've got some. So let's establish. Don't sit there and try to argue with me anymore in your spirit. We've done checkmated you in that. You've got a water bottle. The question is, how many are you willing to get rid of today? Are you going to do the typical Pentecostal traditional come down? Oh, Jesus, please, Lord, I give it to you. Hallelujah. Boy, I feel good. Let's go get something to eat. And then if you really spend time, oh, God, you know, the really big moments. You're, oh, God, you got 35 people crowded around you. They're digging in your bag trying to get the water bottles out. You're saying, no, don't touch that one. Okay, you can have that one. Oh, touch it. Wait, wait a minute. And you just, and you get, woo, praise God, I feel good. Praise God, I feel delivered. Hallelujah, the Lord is good. I'm dancing. I'm just, it's all emptying out. And the problem is, if you get enough out of there, guess what? Boy, all of a sudden you start to feel a little better. And you look around going, Man, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord, and we're dancing around, and we got water bottles all over the floor, and woo, God is good, what a great Sunday, but we're walking around with still a bunch of stuff. Then we come back next Sunday and go, I can't do that water bottle thing again. I did it big time last week. I'm exhausted. I mean, that water bottle thing exhausted me. It wore me out. And so this week, I'm just going to hold on. 
I, 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 want, I would love to test this. I'm not going to do this, but I'd test it. Try to be a worshiper with your bag. Whew. Someone says, let's lift our hands to Jesus. Whew. You ever notice that when you say that about everybody lasts about, try it next time. Put a little stop on it. 30 seconds max. You know why? Because you can only hold your bags up for so long. Then you switch. And then you switch. And then after a while, you're like, lift your hands to Jesus. I'm not doing that again. But you know what Hebrews says? How many of you, don't answer this, just ask yourself this. How many of you want great faith? 2020. How many of you want to activate your faith? How many of you, let me put it this way, how many of you need faith for what you're going through? How many of you right now facing some things you need faith? You want some faith? I'm going to tell you where to start. Don't come down here and say, oh God, you see what I'm going through in 2020. Oh God, give me great faith. Somebody break out the oil. Anoint me with oil. Let me feel the faith of God in my body. Faith, faith, faith. I feel the faith. There it is, there it is. Get the faith, faith. And then you walk out of there going, oh, I felt faith. It felt good. Hold on, let me, I forgot my bag. You want faith for 2020? I'm going to show you where to start. You need to find yourself a place with Jesus and say, I don't want anything in my bag that doesn't belong to Jesus. Because the Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why? Because his yoke and his burden, because that's what happens, right? Come here, brother Tino. You look like Morgan Freeman and play Jesus for me today. Praise the Lord. Because here's what Jesus does. When you empty out the bag of stuff. See, Jesus is not going to take your stuff. But the moment you give him the stuff, Jesus comes along and says, Hey, I'll take your bag for you. Now let's walk. I'll carry your bag. Because why? There's nothing in that bag that belongs to me. I've given up ownership of the bag. So now I've given ownership to him. But here's what's going to happen. If I'm not careful, when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to say, okay, but Lord, it was just a little bottle. It's not a big deal. Don't look. Jesus, look over there. It's okay. Oh, and he's going to go, oh, you want, you, you want to carry that? Okay, here. No, no, he, you just gonna give, he's just going to give you the bag back. So you know what? You don't get it. When you empty out to him, he takes the bag because there's nothing in there that has ownership of you, ain't it? You've gotten rid of sin. No flesh will glory my flesh. Sin separates us from the presence of God. When I get rid of sin, no matter if it's big or small, stop justifying it because it's an eight-ounce bottle and you're looking for two liters. When you get rid of that sin and you get rid of those little weights, I don't care if it's a one-pound rock or 50-pound bag of sand. When you get rid of it, Jesus says, because you have given up ownership of that, I will now take ownership of this. And you know what, Jesus? He starts putting blessing in there. His word, peace, joy. But it's so light. Why? Because his yoke is easy. His bird is light. Because what? I don't carry it. He's carrying it. And he's stronger than me and has more endurance than me and he can last forever because his word is true. He hasn't changed yesterday and today and forever. 
So if you're weighted down today, it means two things. You got water bottles and you're carrying a bag. You got a choice. Throw a little water bottles at the altar, feel better about yourself. Go home with the rest of your bottles. Or maybe today may be the day you want to empty out all the bag so that you can finally give him the bag. But the only way he's willing to take a bag is if it's empty. Then Peter said unto them, repent. What's repentance? It's a change. It's an emptying out. It's an acknowledgement of my ways. So I wonder if 2020, we could start for those of you that God is speaking to you today, that no longer do you see water bottles. You're starting to see some of your stuff. God's been working on you. God's been dealing with it. I want to leave this here. We'll clean it up when, when we're done. I want to leave this here because I want this image to burn in your head. Because I want every gathering that we have, whether it's a Sunday morning, a small group, a prayer meeting, I want every gathering we have to always end up like this. Stop looking for a tidy prayer closet. Find a messy one. Because a messy prayer closet means you've poured some stuff out. Is there anybody in here today that you're willing to maybe bow your head and close your eyes? Now that the Holy Ghost has moved in this house, into this room, and has begun to unzip your bag? You know what? I could, it sounds silly. Work with me for a second. It was silly, but this is exactly what you could hear in the spirit in a practical sense. Zip it up here for a second and get the other direction. This is what it was in the spirit. As God began to move in this place, it sounded like this. God opening our hearts. God unzipping the places we've locked so that you can look face to face with what's going on inside of you. But now you've got to make a choice. Let me ask you today, is it a one, one water bottle day? Is it a two water bottle day? Maybe it's a real powerful day in the Holy Ghost and today is a four water bottle Sunday. Praise God. Boy, did we ever see God do something great. It was a four water bottle day. Or maybe for some of you today, today is a day of complete emptying out of some things that you collected. Would you bow your heads right now? I feel all over this place right now, the Holy Ghost. We need to talk to Jesus. We need to talk to Jesus in this place. Some of you need to be honest with yourself under the spotlight of God that's shining down in this room today. Would you begin under the unction of the Holy Ghost? Would you begin to start giving God some water bottles today? Can you tell God? Some water bottles have lost their names, but others, you know exactly what they are. You know exactly when you got them. Lord, I give you this sin. I give you this weight. 
The more you do that, the more he comes into focus. Remember the three, the three vital signs of faith. Do you have any weight? Do you have any sin? And where's your focus? Where's your focus today? Because the more weight and the more sin you have, the less you see him and his clarity. But the more you focus and get rid of the weight and the sin, the more clearer that face of Jesus Christ comes into view. Come on, just a few minutes of doing this. I don't believe that this is going to be the only time some of you are going to need to do this. When you get home today, you're going to need to find a quiet place in your house. Tomorrow morning before you go to work, you're going to need to take a moment with just you and Jesus and say, Lord, there were some water bottles that I didn't get to yesterday, but I don't want to start a week with these water bottles in my life. Some of you have let some water bottles be in there for years. Then you say, well, I've lived with them for this long. You know, I can just keep living with them. But God says, if you would let me have all of them, all of them. Oh, God, they're not that big of a deal. Come on, God, you really want this water bottle? It's not that big of a deal. It's not a big deal. No, to God, it's a big deal. Because he cares about you. So anything that you've got is a big deal to God. I wonder in this moment, I just feel to do this. This is the way it, it's the way it's coming to me. I'm just going to follow the, follow the leading of the Lord. Some of you, you've, what you're doing is good, but some of you, you need to take another step. You need to get out of your seat. You need to come down here, bring your bag with you. And you don't need to get on your knees. You don't have to fall on your face. But you need to come down here as a sign of surrender and a sign of faith. Some of you can sit in your seat, but some of you need to take another step. Because it's comfortable staying where you are. It's comfortable staying in your seat. There's nothing special about this altar. It's not holy and anointed. But sometimes it takes action to represent the faith and the posture of a heart. So is there anybody that feel like, you know what, I'm not willing to leave this up to chance today, but I'm willing to step out in faith and action. I'm going to take a step with you, Jesus, and I want to show you how serious I am about emptying out some things. You're willing to come down here, lift your hands, unzip your bag and say, God, take every bottle out. We're not begging God. You don't have to fall on your face and, 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 and with shame and you're just coming down here as a, as a, as a, as a, as a sign of surrender to him. Lifting your hands to him and say, okay, God, every bottle. Every bottle of hurt, every bottle of shame, every bottle of offense, every bottle of frustration, every bottle of complaining, every bottle. I'm giving every single bottle to you, every weight, every sin. I'm turning everything to you. In the name of Jesus. Here's Here's the point, right? When you do this, what do you do after this? You don't just go sit down. What's the point, right? Lay aside every weight, every sin. What's the final piece to the puzzle? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Don't just empty out and leave your water bottles and Jesus. 
Empty out so that you can get more of Him. Empty out so that you can feel filled with more of Him. The purpose of laying aside weight and sin is not so that you can get rid. The purpose of weight and sin is so that you can fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. How did he endure what he endured? How did he endure the cross? How did he endure shame? How did he endure hurt? He endured it because he kept an empty bag. He didn't let his focus become the bag. His focus became on the crown that was before him. You can't carry a a bag and a crown. You gotta choose today. Are you gonna carry your crown or are you gonna choose to carry a bag? You can't carry both. Jesus chose not to carry a bag because he said, there's nothing in me. I've looked and there's nothing in me. I've let the Holy Ghost look in me. There's nothing in me. I'm not carrying a bag. And in the turn, because he didn't have a bag, he was given a crown. Oh, today, my friend, would you lay down your weight and your sin so that you can let the Holy Ghost today crown you with peace, crown you with joy, crown you with righteousness. Oh! Oh! Oh, Jesus! In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look bold in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will go strange. Lead them 
I of his worthy and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look bold in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His mercy and grace. If you're not praying, would you sing this with me? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look bold in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strange. Lead Him in the light of His mercy and grace. One more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look bold in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strange. Lead him in the light of his mercy. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today. Come on, there's some that are still praying for the rest of you. Would you just stand right now, lift your hands to heaven all over this place. And can you just thank him right now? Can you give him thanks? Come on, let's give him thanks. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I feel better. So much better. Since I laid my burdens down. Well, I feel better. So much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, I feel better, so much better since I laid my bottles down. Well, I feel better, so much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, you'll feel better, so much better, 
Well, when you laid your burdens down, well, you'll feel better. Well, so much better when you lay your burdens down. Come on, say it with me. Well, I feel better, so much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, I feel better, so much better since I laid my burdens down. Well, glory, glory, uh, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, I'm singing glory, uh, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, one more time, say glory, glory, mm-hmm. hallelujah. Well, since I laid my burdens down, well, glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down. I got to do it again. Well, glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down, well, glory, glory, Hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down. Would you clap your hands to Jesus one more time and give him praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Now let's take some empty bags to small groups so Jesus can fill them up. Amen. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand, greet them. Let's go to a small group and see God do some great things today. Jesus' name.